Welcome to the First Baptist Cadillac podcast. First Baptist Cadillac is a growing intergenerational family of faith whose mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Join us each week as we engage God's word together. We would love to hear from you. Please contact us at firstbaptistcadillac.org or text WELCOME to 231-261-1112. Please turn with me in your Bibles this morning to Mark chapter 4, verses 21 through 25. Nursery workers. Um, Our nursery workers, yeah. Our nursery is growing, and they do a phenomenal job, and I'm so thankful for their commitment and dedication to our kids. And you know, um, never refer to that as child care, okay? I can fall into that trap every once in a while. It is not child care. It is ministry, and I think even at those young ages, um, to pray over those kids and to bless them and to be the very presence of Jesus to those kids, there's just so much good that's involved with that. So um, thank you to our nursery workers. Let me reset for a moment the context of where we're at in Matthew or Mark chapter. Yeah, Matthew, we'll have real trouble. (laughs) Mark chapter four, Jesus is teaching by the Sea of Galilee, and it's a mixed audience. You got disciples, you got seekers, you got antagonists, the religious authorities who are coming to make his life difficult. And he's using a certain method of teaching known as the parable. And you remember that a parable is where an unknown spiritual truth is taught by throwing beside it a known physical truth. It's an earthly story used to teach a heavenly lesson. And there are actually four parables in this section that we're working through, Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 34. Last week, Pastor Travis preached on the parable of the sower or the soils. Um, It can go by either one of those titles. That was verses 1 through 20. Today, we're going to look at something called the parable of the lamp in verses 21 through 25. And then next week, we're going to cover two parables, both having to do with seed. It has to do with seed growing and then seed multiplying. Now, as we move forward in this section, it's important to note that the key to understanding the remaining three parables is to understand that first parable, that parable of the sower and the soils. And so because these remaining three parables hinge on that first parable, we're going to go back and just really briefly, really quickly review what that parable was all about. It was a story of a farmer who scattered seed And that seed represents the truth of God's word, all right? That is foundational. It's important to both last week, today, and also next week. The truth of God's word is it is being sown by Jesus and his followers. And some of the seed fell on the road. Now, how's that going to grow? Not well. Um, Birds swooped in and ate up that seed, and that road represents the hardness of some people's hearts, People like the religious authorities. And so rather than the truth of God's word penetrating their hearts, Satan swooped in like a bird and he took the seed away. However, some of the seed fell on rocky soil where it started to grow, but it it couldn't take root. And as we know, when a plant can't take root, it's going to die. And this represents people who initially receive God's word But because they have no root, when troubles come, and they will, amen? 
those people fall away because they don't have roots. And, and so that's why as a church, we emphasize discipleship so much. We must develop deep spiritual roots because trouble will come. Jesus said so. And the question is, when that trouble comes, how are you going to endure? Are you going to be able to stand? And that's dependent on whether or not you have roots. And so we emphasize that very, very much. Some of the seed fell among thorns. And once again, the plant initially grew up, but this time the thorns choked it out. And this represents people who receive the word, but then there's, they develop a desire for other things that overtakes their desire for truth and for obedience to what God has told them. And then finally, some of the seed fell on good soil, without rocks, without thorns. This is fertile soil that is eager for growth. It's hungering and thirsting for nutrients and for growth. And guess what happened to that seed? Flourished and produced a crop of exponential multiplication. And so it is with people whose, whose hearts are good soil, those who eagerly receive the word and obey it. God will work in them. God will work through them to produce a great gospel harvest. And so the ultimate question of that parable last week was, are you good soil? Are you good soil? Is your heart soft? Are you humble? And teachable, hungering and thirsting for righteousness, ready and willing to do absolutely whatever it is that God calls you to do. Those are the characteristics of the faithful hearers of God's word, the good soil. Now, here's where this fits with the next parables. Parable one, the one from last week, identifies faithful hearers. That's the good soil. Parables two through four identify the responsibilities of faithful hearers the responsibilities of faithful here. So that's what we're going to be talking about today and next week. With that in mind, would you please stand with me as we show honor and respect to God's word? Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 21. And Jesus said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Let's pray together. Father, these are, uh, verses are few in number, but they have a lot to say to us today. And so, God, would you give us ears to hear today? May our hearts be good soil, eager to hear from you, eager and willing to receive and do absolutely whatever it is your Spirit leads us to do today, as proclaimed in your word. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So, once again, parable number one identifies faithful hearers. I trust today that we are faithful hearers, the good soil, ready to receive the word. Parables two through four identify responsibilities of faithful hearers. And responsibility number one of faithful hearers is don't hide the light. Don't 
hide the light. Because, number one, if you hide it, you misuse it. If you hide it, you misuse it. After all, what's light for? It's to shine. That's its very purpose. A failure to shine the light is a misuse of the light. And so look at verse 21. And he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand. So the metaphor, the parable is changed. Parable number one, we were dealing with seed. Today in parable number two, we're dealing with a lamp. And the physical lamp to which Jesus is here referring is a small clay bowl. It had a spout and a wick. And it contained just a few ounces of oil that served as fuel. Now, anybody here old enough to have grown up in an environment where maybe for a season you did not have electricity? Anybody like that? Yes? Yes? I want to talk to you after. That would be fascinating to hear some of those kinds of stories. But that's the kind of environment we have here, an environment without electricity. They had these clay pots for lamps. And they were so very important because they were the only source of light in the house. We freak out when the electricity goes out, and I don't have one of those Generacs yet. How many of you got the Generac? I'm I'm fighting uh, jealousy right now. So um, we freak out when that happens, when the electricity goes off. Imagine living in a place there is no electricity. There are no light bulbs. There's only these clay pots with oil in them and a wick. Without these lamps, people would stumble around in darkness, right? Now, before we go any further, we need to ask the question in the context of this being a parable, what does the lamp or light represent in the parable? What is the spiritual meaning of this physical metaphor? Very simply, the light represents the truth of God's word just as the seed did in parable number one. So we got a different picture but the same reference point, okay, which is the truth of God's word. In parable number one, the truth of God's word was represented by seed. Here in parable number two, the truth of God's word is represented by light. Can you think of any scripture passages that talk about God's word being like light? How about Psalm 119.105, right? Your word is a lamp to my feet, And a light to my path. Then a little bit later in that same psalm, it says in verse 30, the unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. And so the lamp or light here is a symbol for the truth of God's word. And one thing that was true about lamps in the ancient world was that they would be very intentional and strategic about lifting them up high, putting them in a high place in the house. Why? to maximize the illumination, to make sure that it had as much impact as possible, to get the most light. And typically, in a common house, there would be a shelf on the wall, and they would put that lamp on the shelf. But in more prosperous homes, uh, there may be something like this, a more ornate stand upon which to place the lamp, so it was for both function and decoration, But again, the point is to intentionally and strategically place that lamp in a high place to, to let the light shine as far as possible, because that's what lamps are for. So with that in mind, Jesus says, again in verse 21, he says, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket 
or under a bed and not on a stand? And of course, the answer is, that'd be stupid. Who would do that? Lights are meant to be up high and to shine. How foolish it would be to receive the light, to have a lamp and then a bed. You'd never do that in that culture. It would be silly because light is meant to shine and it was so valuable to them. But as the light shines, it's also meant to expose. It's also meant to expose. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 22. He says, For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. So one of the purposes of light is to expose to make visible, and so it is with God's word. It exposes, specifically God's word exposes darkness. God's word exposes darkness, especially the sin that lurks in our hearts. Like that listed in Matthew fifteen nineteen, where it says, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, Adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. That's kind of dark, isn't it? I always cringe when I hear someone say, just follow your heart. Don't do that. Your heart is a mess. It is precisely because our hearts are a mess that we need a Savior, right? So please don't follow your heart because what it will do is in fact lead you astray and into greater darkness. Instead, what we need is the light of God's word to expose the darkness in our hearts. Just as the psalmist prayed in Psalm 139, 23, he said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Shine your light. Expose the darkness in me. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God's word is the lamp that does this, exposing the darkness in our hearts. And faithful hearers like you all, the good soil, are those who submit themselves to the light just as a patient submits to a surgeon, right? Surgery is not pleasant, is it? But it's necessary, right? And so when it is necessary, a a patient submits, lays on the table, says, do what needs to be done. I'm in your hands. Whatever it takes, do what needs to be done. That's what God's word does. That's what good soil, faithful hearers do in regard to God's word. God's word, light, come, expose the darkness, remove it like a surgeon. So, With that in mind, that allows there then to be confession, repentance, and cleansing. Now, in contrast to this faithful hearing and good soil is John 3.19, where Jesus says, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were, were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed." This is the bad soil, people who do not want the darkness of their hearts exposed by the light of God's word. And therefore, what do they do? They avoid the light. They hide from it. But the tragedy of that is when we hide from the light, we remain in spiritual bondage. When freedom is available. Jesus draws a very vivid contrast between the good soil 
and the bad soil, those who welcome the light to expose the darkness and those who hide from it. So God's word exposes darkness, but it also exposes direction. It also exposes direction, kind of like back in the, the book of Exodus where there was that pillar of cloud by day and pillar of fire of light by night that gave direction to the Israelites in the wilderness. And so it is with God's word. It is light that exposes the path for us to follow. Again, as it says in Psalm 119, 105 again, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Aren't you thankful that we have that lamp? The world is such a crazy, mixed up, confused place with so many mixed up, crazy voices saying so many mixed up, crazy, confused things. It gets overwhelming, especially for our kids. But God's word, it cuts through all the craziness. It clears all the fog and exposes the direction that we are to follow. But this because if you hide that Jesus says in this parable, don't hide the light. Why? Because if you hide it, you misuse it. The light of God's word is meant to shine, and as it does so, it exposes darkness and it exposes direction. We desperately need both of those things, don't we? You will not be the person that God intends you to be until you allow that light to come in and expose the darkness in your heart. You will not be the person God intends for you to be unless you allow his light of his word to chart the direction, the trajectory of your life. Now, contrary to your notes, I'm going to include verse 23 with the next section of this parable. It ultimately seemed to fit better there. So, um, in this next section, Jesus gives a second reason for not hiding the light. And the second reason is, if you hide it, you will lose it. If you hide it, you will lose it. Look at verse 23. It starts off, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Anybody here have ears? Okay. We all have physical ears, kind of like this guy. Now, admittedly, some of our physical ears are working better than others at this stage in life, right? I'm moving into that place where I'm in a, especially a loud restaurant. I, I have trouble hearing across the table. Um, but the question posed by Jesus here doesn't have to do so much with our physical ears as it has to do with our spiritual ears. Spiritual ears tuned in to what God is saying. Some of you in the day had a radio that looked like this, right? Oh, and you're just having all kinds of memories right now, aren't you? Yeah. What's the, did somebody just shout out the coolest car that you had that had a radio like that? A charger. All right. And I've lost most of you now. It's like, oh, you're thinking about smells and songs and all kinds of things. But, you know, a radio with knobs. Can you imagine a radio with knobs that had to be physically turned to a certain frequency? What kind of Neanderthals were we back in the day? We actually had to, had maps. But one thing, one thing that's true for radios even today in all of our technology is that they have to be tuned to a specific frequency, right? 
What happens if you intend to listen to 93.7 FM, but you're tuned in to 98.5 FM? It'd be silly to think that you're going to hear 93.7 FM if you are tuned in to 98.5 FM, which is why Jesus says in verse 24, he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. Pay attention to what you hear, to what frequency you are tuned into. In essence, Jesus is saying, tune into my frequency to hear my voice, because if you don't, you won't. Church, Jesus is broadcasting continually. He's speaking. But if you don't tune into his frequency, you are not going to hear him. And if you are tuned in to the frequency of the world in all the many forms that it can take, you are not going to hear Jesus. Some of you are like, oh, I, I can't hear God's voice. Where is he? Why isn't he speaking? Well, what are you tuned into? What are you tuned into? Clearly, the Jewish religious leaders in Jesus' day, they were not tuned in to the Jesus channel. They were not tuned in. And so while they heard him with their physical ears, they were unable to hear him with their spiritual ears, especially when Jesus spoke in parables. And so here's where that whole concept of parables comes in. And there was kind of a confusing couple of verses earlier in Mark chapter 4 where Jesus talked about the role of parables and his teaching and who would hear and who would not hear. Well, here Jesus says, hey, I'm broadcasting on the Jesus channel these parables they can't understand what I'm talking about because they're not tuned in. But my disciples, the good soil, they are tuned in. And so they hear and they understand. Verse 24 of Mark 4 continues, With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. Okay, this is commonly called the principle of reciprocity, which simply means that we get out of something what we put into it. We reap what we sow. Or in this case, here's where it comes together, the more light we give, the more light we will receive. The more light we give, the more light we will receive. Anybody want more of God's light in their life? Oh, more of his presence, his word, his truth, his direction, his blessing, his power. How I want more of that. Well, then here's what we need to do. Get busy giving it away. Get busy giving it away. Because the more light we give, the more light we will receive. Turning back to God's word as a seed metaphor. Again, 2 Corinthians 9, 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Or as Jesus said in Luke 6.38, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Back to you. How many of you believe that God is a good steward of his resources? Of course he is. He's the best steward. He's the perfect steward. He is the example by which all stewards are to be measured. He is not going to waste his resources. So listen carefully. 
He's only going to give them to the measure that they will be used for his glory and for the good of his kingdom. Let me say that again. God is only going to give his resources to the measure that they will be used for his glory and the good of his kingdom. So, if you're going to hoard God's resources, hold tightly to them. In this case, the resource that we're talking about is the light of God's word. Don't expect to be given much. And in fact, the passage ends in verse 25 with these words. It says, For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So there's this cycle. Those who have been given much are those who have proven to give away much. So God gives them even more. And this cycle of blessing continues. On the other hand, those who have been given little are those who have proven to be stingy. So God does not give more. He takes away even what they have. So, um, commentator Alan Carr, I thought he did a masterful job of bringing these pieces together when he says the following. He, He says, the idea here is that those who listen to what the Lord is telling them and obey him by giving their faith away will see him reveal even more truth to them. If you truly want to know the deep things of God, take the time to share the things you already know. Give away what he has given you. As you give away the truth the Lord has revealed to you, he will give you more truth. If you hoard up the truth and keep it to yourself, the Lord has no reason to give you more truth. The gospel is the only commodity that becomes more valuable as you give it away. So, in this parable number two, the parable of the lamp, Jesus says, don't hide the light. Why? Because first, if you hide it, you misuse it. Light is meant to shine, to be intentionally and strategically placed up high to maximize its illumination. And spiritually, when the light of God's word shines, it exposes darkness and it exposes direction. And Jesus also says, if you hide it, you will lose it. Because in God's economy, the more light we give, the more light we will receive. All right, let's shift our attention now to application and ask the question, how should we then live? I believe this parable teaches that the light of the word needs to go in three directions. The light of the word needs to go in three directions directions. First of all, the light must go in. The light must go in exposing our hearts. Just as we talked about earlier, revealing the darkness that's so prone to lurk and to hide. Now this is true both for the person who is not yet a believer and for the person who is already a believer. Okay, so for the the person who is not yet a believer, you have not yet crossed the line of faith Put your trust in Jesus alone for forgiveness. Receiving him as both your Savior and your Lord. Okay, for the person who has not yet crossed that line, um, we need the light of God's word to convict us of sin. To tell us that we are hopelessly lost without him. 
that we are deserving of God's judgment and wrath without him. So we need that light to penetrate our hearts and to show us our need for a savior, okay? But for the person who is already a believer, our our need for that light to go in is no less. We still need it for our growth and holiness, right? When we put our trust in Jesus and cross the line of faith, that's just the beginning. Then we enter into this wonderful process known as sanctification, where we become more and more like Jesus. But that process of sanctification is dependent upon the light exposing the darkness in our hearts. Either way, we're all on level ground in our need for the light to go in and expose our hearts. And it is far better that we undergo this exposure now rather than later. Listen carefully. Hebrews 4.13 says this, And no creature is hidden from God's sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. What does that mean? It means one day we're all going to stand before God and give account. How much better to deal with the darkness in our hearts now than to deal with the darkness in our hearts on judgment day? I would also add this morning that the whole idea of the light of God's groups, okay, because you exposing our hearts is a key element of discipleship groups, okay? Because you see, in discipleship groups, you hear us talk about them a lot, but the primary goal is not to engage God's word for information, but for transformation, The idea is that as we share together in community, a group of four or five, Very personally and specifically, we share how the light of God's word is exposing the darkness in our hearts and how it is shaping us to become more like Jesus. That's that's koinonia in its very essence, this deep, meaningful sharing of our hearts. That's what discipleship groups are intended for, reading the Bible not primarily for information but for transformation to do what we're talking about here today. And if you are currently in a D group, can I challenge you with this? Begin your next D-group meeting with this question. Are we doing that? Are we engaging God's word personally and specifically for the purpose of transformation rather than information? Are we allowing the light of God's word to shine in our hearts and to remove the darkness? If not, this is a great time for you as a D-group to recalibrate and kind of reset. So, How should we then live? The light of the word needs to go in three directions. The first is in, exposing our hearts. The next direction is up, expressing our witness. Up, expressing our witness. Because again, the purpose of the light is what? To shine. Which is why, again, in that culture, the lamp was put on a shelf or on a stand. And not, as Jesus said, under a basket under a basket. Can I ask you a question this morning? The question is this. What is your basket? What is your basket? What is it that you are allowing to hide the light of Jesus in you? I think we all, if we're honest, have a basket of some sort, something that hinders that light of Jesus in us from being able to shine as it's meant to. It could be fear, I'm afraid. It could be apathy. You know, I, 
end of the day, I just don't care enough. It could be selfishness. It could be our busyness. You know, I've, I've got this list of things to do in a day, and um, I'm just too busy to really be present and to allow the light of Jesus to shine through me. It could be the pursuit of material things. There could be an infinite number of things that could represent a basket in our lives that hides the light of Jesus from shining as it is intended to shine. My challenge for you this morning would be to confess that to Jesus as sin, because that's what it is. And as you confess it to Jesus as sin, would you ask him for fresh power, fresh power to move the light up for all to see. The light needs to move up and not under the basket. What is your basket? So the light of the word needs to go in three directions. In exposing our hearts, up expressing our witness. It also needs to move out, extending our mission. It needs to move out extending our mission. Some of you saw on Facebook this week, we had such a great time Thursday night. We were invited, uh, Kids Hope Ministry, to Caberfay, to um, a banquet honoring a, a bunch of part of that, and contributions and education, and our Kids Hope Ministry was part of that, and it was very, very special. You see on the slide, it says the FBC Kids Hope Program received the Friend of Education Award for their outstanding support of the staff and students at Franklin School. It was certainly a proud pastor moment and a wonderful example, I believe, of taking the light out into the community. And, you know, here's the thing. Listen carefully. When we do this, it's a win-win. And I know these mentors would say that, right? Mentors, is it a win-win that you are a mentor? It's a win for your student, and it is most certainly a win for you. Why? Because we need this outflow of the light in our lives. Just as we were learning about earlier, we, get, we, we receive to the degree that we give. And if there isn't this outflow in our lives, what happens? We become dead and stagnant. We become dead and stagnant. Let me tell you a, a story of two C's this morning. You recognize this? Up to the north, we have the Sea of Galilee, and we know that it's a, it's a, a sea full of fish. Why? Because the disciples made a living fishing the Sea of Galilee, and so brimming it with life, with fish and plants. But then to the south, we have its counterpart, the Dead Sea, and uh, that's not so alive. It's dead. What's the difference between the two? Well, there's, there's, there's a, a number of things, but a primary, a key difference is that the Sea of Galilee has an outlet, the Jordan River, and so it passes on what it has received, and so it is full of life and brimming with fish. The Dead Sea does not have an outlet, and so it is stagnant. It is lifeless. If it came down to it, which one of those seas would best describe you? Sea of Galilee, brimming with life, or the Dead Sea, without life? The key is to not become stagnant, but to have outflow. Taking the light that you have been given so graciously and moving that light out into the world. Now, Kids Hope is one of many ways that we can do that, but it is one. 
I love our Cadillac Area Backpack Program. There's another. I love, again, I'm going to leave something out, but there's many, many, many ministries and ways that we can do that. But you simply showing up at your work, at your school, at your activity, whatever it is intentional about being light, we need to take the light out into the world. And so, how should we then live? The light of the world needs to go in three directions. It needs to go in, exposing our hearts. It needs to go up, expressing our witness. And it needs to go out, extending our mission. Would you please pray with me? God, thank you for the light. Thank you for the truth of your word. Again, in these confusing, mixed up, crazy times where just things change to whichever direction the wind's blowing on any given day. Thank you for the solid rock that we have to stand on. God, all of us know people who are lost or people who are struggling, people who need direction. God, you've given us the light. Far be it from us to hide it under a bushel, to hoard it for ourselves. God, may we be those who First and foremost, allow the light to penetrate our hearts. May we be those who take the light up and let it shine brightly and those who take it out into our community and world. God, I pray specifically for anyone who's here this morning who has not yet crossed the line of faith. God, I pray that the light would convict them of sin, their need for a savior, the fact that they are utterly lost without you. And God, I pray that today would be the day that the light transforms them. God, we thank you for that you are a loving and powerful and gracious God, and it is you we trust. In Jesus' name, amen.